0: Thanks, Mike, for finally letting me tour the Cage Club Podcast Network studios.
1: No problem, Brian. But hey, could you not tell Joey? He hates it when you mess around with his stuff.
0: Is that every Nick Cage movie ever?
1: Yep. From fast times to massive talent, this network is pretty much the house that Nikki Coppola built.
0: Hey, what about over there? Where do those stairs go? Ciao!
1: <laughs> this is Uncle Francis is a Wine Cellar, a podcast where we break down the films of the Francis for Coppola, cut by God. And this is at the Cage Club a podcast network production, because huh? we're, go- we're going back to the
0: old country today, Brian. And we are covering House of Gucci today, according to your accent. Browns? <laughs> <laughs> Browns and pastels. <laughs> no, of course, this is Uncle... F- oh, that's not even it. I, I'm so off track. It's Buonasera. Have a seat. Have a glass. And welcome to Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. I'm Brian Rodriguez, but... where, where Where's Michael? Or should I say it like, like in bed? Like, where, where's Michael? Uh, we're not oh. starting the podcast without Michael.
1: Pop, I'm here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mike Manzi, ladies and gentlemen. Hello.
1: Hello. Oh, boy.
0: Keep your friends close and keep your podcasters closer. Remember that, guys. Good advice for you. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. While you're there, give us a positive review or a five-star rating. We are a fledgling podcast about a great man and his films. So definitely spread the word of Uncle Francis's wine cellar. Tell your friends about Uncle Francis' wine cellar. Tell your enemies about Uncle Francis' <laughs> wine cellar. <laughs> tell your family about Uncle Francis's wine cellar. Spread the word. And remember, we are a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network, the home of so many other great pop culture podcasts. We will tell you all about the other podcasts we host at the end of the show. But for now, we just got to get into it, because this is our third, not not Godfather 3, but episode 3 of our Godfather breakdown. And yes. I feel like we haven't even touched the meat of this movie, so I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well,
1: we're breaking down the films cut by cut, but I don't think we break the movies down this much, cut them down this much. Three episodes for one film. I'm loving it. I mean, uh, at least. But- I mean I can only imagine when we get back to Godfather 3 like that's going to be 5 episodes <laughs> <laughs> Listeners beware. We love that movie, but no, this is this is great. I like this because Brian, unlike some of the other shows that we do, like this is way more casual, way more laid back, like we're just hanging out, having a drink, talking to Uncle Francis, just, you know, seeing where the wind takes
0: us. Absolutely, Mike. And and at least I am partaking in the wine part of the show. You you haven't yet. <laughs> but, but today's bottle of wine, Francis Coppola Diamond Collection. Zinfidel twenty eighteen. It's sort of like the maroon colored one. The yeah. wine colored one. Haven't had this one yet, so I'm gonna open it while we speak.
1: Yeah. You know, I always sort of wanted to be a writer at some point for sitcoms and like a showrunner. So I'm trying to work in a running gag where um will I or won't I ever drink the wine? <laughs> like it's good. At first it was sort of like I'm all game for it. And then it was like, oh, it took me a while to find a bottle or two. And then it's like, I still haven't cracked it yet. And now it's like, should I even do it? Or should we keep this gag running and running?
0: Are you going to be like Norm's wife in Cheers? Like, right. It, yeah.
1: Something like that? Will, will that or be Ma- me Maris? the wine? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, uh, who knows? I'm just trying to build in some suspense,
0: some some uh, you know, some tune-in ability. Is that a word? <laughs> I don't know. But if that's why you're listening to the show or watching the show, I- I'd be really shocked. So, Mike, drink the wine eventually. Um, wait, we gotta get that bottle pop. Ooh, that was a good one. That was nice, nice. That's like uh,
1: the third co-host right there. <laughs>
0: um, something I want to bring up before we get into this episode three well if you haven't seen episode one and two please check them out i don't think you're going to be lost because it's the godfather and you've probably seen it normally i'm like if you (laughs) haven't listened to the first episode you'll be lost but probably not today but um what i was going to mention was did a little more detective work as we've been mentioning the godfather series i at least i know the first one was taken off paramount plus proper yeah
1: Oh, right, right, right. I remember, yeah.
0: It's more obvious as to why, because when you go on Paramount Plus and you click to watch The Godfather, it says, well, you can't watch it anymore. It's not these words, but essentially it says, well, you can't watch it anymore, but you could if you got the Showtime add-on. Oh. And they're bundling Showtime with it. It's seven ninety nine, But then I saw something that says it's going to be off Showtime at the end of the month, so... I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but pretty soon it'll be off showtime. And where is it going? Is it going back to Paramount Plus? Is it going somewhere else? Was it a one month gimmick or I don't know, but stay tuned. We'll update you on that.
1: Interesting how they're kind of using the Godfather as leverage
0: to get you to join,
1: you know, the sort of like parent subsidiary, like extra apps or whatever, you know, it's like, oh. We want. We came to Paramount Plus for for all of your Godfather needs, and then it's like psych. Like you also have to get Showtime and all this stuff, and it's like you'll do it because you want to watch the Godfather.
0: And I did it, Mike. I, I upped my package. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I had to take Brian, it. Brian, Brian, I just <laughs> buy, the buy the DVD. I have the DVDs, of course. But I was like, you know what? I gotta support. I gotta support the Godfather. the The greatest movie of all time needs my support.
1: I wish I could. I wish I could. I can't. I just can't be tipping that hard anymore.
0: <laughs> but Mike, when I upgraded, you upgraded. You realize that, right? Because we're oh, using the right. same <laughs> Paramount+. Plus. So, so never mind. My entire <laughs> side of
1: this argument is moot, because I'm not even paying for it.
0: <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention is another thing that's probably not going to matter to you, because by the time you listen to this, you'll only have days left to do this, but... Just want to shout out Alamo Drafthouse for doing a Coppola month, and they showed almost every Coppola film. I don't think really? they showed uh, though the Epcot one. With,
1: oh, yeah. I, I bet they yeah. did. I bet they showed it like before something weird. Oh yeah, weird, you know? yeah, like they, that's a Drafthouse like nugget. They love doing those things. Yeah, it's not good
0: that point, long. Good either. point. But they ran all the Godfather movies. They ran some of the newer stuff. Again, shout out to them for honoring Uncle Francis. So, cheers, salute.
1: Yeah, I would have loved to seen when we get to it. It's gonna be a crazy episode, but one from the heart. Like uh, having only been able to watch it. I mean, I think it was conceived for television. So I wonder if there's even a print of that, like, or if it's all on video. So I can't wait to get to that movie. But I wonder some of the oddities that Draft House got their fingers on.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, If you're out there and you're somebody who caught one of these at the Draft House, hit us up on social media. Mike, you're (laughs) at the Mikester everywhere, right? At the Mikester. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like Brian, we discovered something, or at least like I discovered, I didn't know about this, you did, but you hipped me to something. I couldn't believe I missed this, but, you know, R2-D2 was almost in The Godfather.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that was another journey. So we're gonna... <laughs> at one point we'll do this, but there's this thing that was on either an episode one DVD or something along the no, lines. It's,
1: yeah, originally it was released online as like an extra, and then it and then I think it's on the episode two DVD extras, but it's also its own self-contained DVD as well.
0: Yes. And it's called uh Beyond the Dome, I think, an R2D two. Like, documentary. It's a mockumentary. It's like a fake... It's a
1: mockumentary. Yeah, in the vein of, like, uh, VH1. They used to do, like, uh, music documentaries. Of yeah, behind the now. music. Behind the music kind of stuff. Uncle Francis is, like, all over it. He,
0: You know? Yeah, and he was like, he was my original choice for Michael. They didn't go for it. It's hilarious. That is something... We'll, like, cover maybe as a gag one day. Because, again, like you said, he's all over it. So that was actually pretty cool. But follow us on social media, because Mike and I share a lot of this kind of stuff. I am at oh My Rodriguez on Twitter. He is at The Mikester. You'll find him. We also have a show Instagram, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. So check us out there. So I was going to say, if you saw any of these movies at the Draft House, and there was some cool little feature at your local album, Draft House, like some tidbit some Uncle Francis knowledge you got or you just want to share your experience let us know and maybe we'll share it on the air we'll, we'll definitely respond yeah. we want to talk Uncle yeah. Francis
1: yeah I wonder what the wine list was like
0: <laughs> ooh I didn't even think about yeah. that For, forget the craft beer I want to drink <laughs> like that's wine the,
1: uh, that's the first thing I almost it's pretty much the first thing I thought of when I was like the draft house you know is it, it's like food they always kind of pair the film with the meal or they try to at least you know Uh, Turner Classic Movies is also doing some kind of wine and film thing as well. I got to do more research on that. But I wonder what they're pairing The Godfather with. Mm. Anyway.
0: Well, we we pair with that Coppola wine. And if you are a (laughs) rep for Coppola wine and you'd like to sponsor the show, please, please. We'd love to take your money because I drink it. I mean, we're giving you the free pub anyway. We might as well get paid or just free wine. We'll take the free wine. Yeah, um, and,
1: you know, I, I would definitely, you know, drink it if it's free and, uh, yeah, sponsor, for sure.
0: Also, putting it out there again, the cannoli sponsorship is still open for <laughs> Uncle Francis' wine cellars.
1: Not as easy, Brian, because it's not like cannoli is a brand name. It's, like, just a thing that, like, bakers make. It's a pastry, you know, but it would be so much easier if it was, like, Twinkies, right? Like, uh, only, only one friend makes Twinkies.
0: So. No, you're reaching too high, Mike. Look, all I want is someone who makes cannolis to make you and I cannolis, and we'll say, like, Mama's Little Bakery brought us these cannolis today, you know, and we get free cannolis out of it, and they would get free pub from the cellar dwellers out there. I think it's a good deal. Whatever. That's the business. We got, we got the business it's, out of the way, Mike.
1: It is the business, because uh, free pub is uh, quite catchy, you know? We give the free pub.
0: <laughs> well, it's gotta get personal now, Mike We gotta at Uh-oh. least try Uh-oh. to finish The Godfather here And it's personal to me because I love this story, I love this movie I re-rewatched it for this And I, wow. I'm so excited to talk about it So last time we talked about the saga of the Turk, as we called it mm-hmm. We're gonna doing something a little different today We're not gonna so much go in chronological order We are, but I wanted to separate Sicily from... Essentially, the war at home. So, okay. Last we right. left off, Michael killed Salazzo and McCluskey, and it's like, boom, it's like a whole nother movie, right?
1: Yeah, we get what is sort of a, the equivalent to like spinning newspapers at that you know, with all of like the, the headlines and all that. We get Francis Ford Coppola's father playing piano as they go to the mattresses. That all that kind of stuff is fun.
0: Where the real opening to me, of this second half of the movie is when the Don is released from the hospital and, like, all the kids come into that room.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: And, like, you know, this baby's crying. and sort of chaos. And he essentially, like, shoes everyone out except, like, I don't know, his inner circle, right? Right, right. Sunny. So, I think is there, definitely mm-hmm. Tom. And they're, yeah, they're talking about... Maybe. Clemenza maybe, and they're just talking about everything that's been going on. Uh, they're, they're, they're bringing the Godfather up to speed. Basically, they're like, you know, we killed this guy, we killed that guy. And you have that emotional moment of the... Well, oh, first, first, before I... For before the where's Michael? It breaks my heart. It makes me laugh every time when they first are like, oh, we're sending... Uh, we're sending Fredo to Vegas, you know, and mm-hmm. and he's just like, I'm going to learn the casino business, Pop. Like <laughs> that, he's like five he's years like, old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just got my first paper up, That Like I'm going <laughs> you know, like, I'm finally stepping up. And it's like, no, we just we need you out of the way, <laughs> like yep. right now. Like we, you're going to you're you're going to get killed for sure if you stick around. <laughs> like you got to go.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But again, I think this scene is remembered for. Don Colion asking where Michael is, you know, like, where's Michael? And then them breaking it to him that, hey, he's in now. He killed Salazzo. Yeah, we, we have him protected. It. He's safe. And the heartbreak on the Don's face.
1: Oh, yeah. You think he's going to die. Like, he got, he just got shot again. You know, he's like, oh, oh, that might have hurt more emotionally, you know, because the other thing was business. And this is like, personal repercussions and all those kinds of things going on now. And it's like, Oh, the last thing I wanted. And it happened.
0: Absolutely. And, and you could tell in his head, he's thinking like, if I were myself, if I weren't shot, if I weren't in the hospital, I would never have let get to this level.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, that's, yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, Mike wasn't even involved with the talks about the Turk with the drugs and going into the drug trade. You know, he wasn't in that room. He, he was uh, going to see a movie with Kay or whatever. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know he was def- he was completely separate. And uh, that's the way that Don would have kept it, you know, if uh, things had gone a different way. If he had been a little quicker, if Fredo had been a little sharper, whatever. But, uh, you know, that's not how the cards were dealt. So... It's too bad. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, last The Dawn remembers, Michael is the shining star of the family. He's a little simpy with Kay, sure, because he's a family man, but not a family man, and I'm using air quotes, but he he's just sort of this war hero coming back, and he's going to be the normal Colon right? Like, Senator Colon Governor Colon right? And when The Dawn wakes up, He's just like the rest of them, a criminal. And it's like, whoa.
1: Yeah. He's like, how long How long was I out for? You know? <laughs> I wasn't out for that long. And how much happened? And, like, who did it? It's like, oh, boy. It's like it's like all bad news and then, like, the worst news of it all.
0: And then we're seeing more of Sonny as the Don. And he's mm. just, like, he's toxic the war masculinity. Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Toxic masculinity, war, dawn, chaos incarnate. Like, if anyone looks at him the wrong way, he's going after them, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, you know, he's got, he's got this shit going on with, um, his his brother-in-law, you know, pissing him off, and, like, his enemies are going to use that as leverage, you know? So it's, like, they know he knows he's a hothead, and he knows that he doesn't have control, but he also knows, like, what's he going to do about it? Like, you know, he, he's going to do what he knows, what he's what he's capable of uh, to the best of his abilities. It gets him pretty far, too, you know? Like,
0: pretty, he lasts longer than I would expect. I'll just say that. <laughs> but he's all, like, just... You know, like, uh, he's all emotion and... Well, what are you saying? He's highly
1: emotional? for (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. Like, the problem is he doesn't know how to channel it. Like, it's all anger, you know? It's all of this frustration.
0: Um, But it's not just anger, it's like sex, too, because he's still having affairs. I I totally forgot that, like, that he's still, like, banging that bridesmaid, and, like, he sends the whole freaking guard to yeah. her apartment so he can have sex with him, just like, la-di-da, walk out.
1: Well, that's the problem, is like, that's tr- he's trying to relieve some of that
0: frustration
1: and trying to channel some of that extra energy at other places, and he's got these other vices that are just, you know, gonna get him killed. And it's like, Michael pretty much, like, becomes celibate
2: when he becomes
1: the Don, you know? Like... When he comes back from Italy, we'll talk about it. But, like, even his marriage with Kay, like, he's not with other women. or He's not even, you know, when they get divorced down the line. And It's a very sort of, like, chaste kind of position, I feel, for Michael, anyway. And I think Sonny is the complete opposite. And we see that, like, he's too rambunctious. Like, he can never stop. He can't slow down. And it's going to be his downfall.
0: Yeah, Michael is calculating. Sonny is just... You know, running on pure adrenaline. So the other big part of this that I want to talk about, or a couple other things, the relationship between Tom and Sonny, we see a lot more of it here. How they really truly are best friends and brothers. They're at each other's throat, but then they'll be like, "Eh, you know, come over for dinner, I'm sorry I yelled at you, you know. It's really cool, like, I could argue that Sonny would have been more of a monster without Tom there. Like, Tom is trying his best to rein Sonny in. And and I know, ultimately, he's not effective. The Don later says that he was a bad Don. Sorry, the Don, as in The Godfather's Vito says that Sonny was a bad Don after he passes. But he would have been much worse, I think, without Tom. Their arguments are, are like... I I just love it, because, like, I, I guess the first couple watches... I never recognized how much of brothers and best friends they were.
1: It it almost feels like he's closer with... I mean, I think he is closer with Tom than with Michael, certainly. With 100%. Fredo. I think he's, he's closer with Fredo than Michael, just because Fredo's around more than Michael. He's always in the room, you know, and he, they probably have some more, like private jokes and things like that but yeah thomas is real brother and you're certainly right it's also his sort of anchor his tether they almost feel like one complete person like a yin and a yang like because tom has his issues too you know he's almost like he wants to be you know very go get him and probably like a soldier and someone in the field but it's not in him you know like he's uh He's the businessman or whatever, like he's he's this suit, so like he always has to be in the office with the Don and he's the conciliary, it's just a different position. But I almost feel like they're the two sides of the Don of uh, Vito Corleone. You have Tom who's sort of like the angel, and then you got Sonny who's sort of the devil. And I feel like they're matched in that way.
0: Yeah, and we discussed Tom's no angel in that sense. You know, he goes out to LA and, and sets things up. So he's he's a thug as well, but you're so right. There's a more litigious nature to him. That he's more much more calculating, but not in a sinister way—in such a buy-the-book way.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean he was an angel in the sense that he's like a good person. I just think nobody like, is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. But uh, just as far as like you say, like he's much more sort of business-minded. He has to think of the—he thinks of the repercussions, and he's more of a long-term. Like, look at the big picture. And Sonny is like, now, now, get this done now.
0: There's a reason that the Turk kidnapped Tom. For that exact thing, like he knows that Tom is smart and rational, you know? If, if Sonny yeah. is irrational, Tom is rational. However, there's something that I think probably was explored more in the book. I could only imagine, I haven't okay. read the book, that we don't get too much exploration here, which I'm fine with, because the undertone, which Michael explains early on at the wedding, Tom's going to make a good consigliere. He's not Sicilian, but he'll make a good consigliere. This is the ceiling for Tom. He could never be Dom. Desp- I felt like I said Dom, like Dom Toretto. He can't be yeah. Dom Toretto. But he <laughs> no can- <laughs> one could be him either, yeah. <laughs> but he could never be Don. He could never be truly a Coleon. And this is something he yeah. must struggle with, right? He is so close to Sonny. He is so close to this family. He is, by Every metric, by every measure, one of them, except that he's not Sicilian and he can never ever be Sicilian. So I imagine he's always fighting this, right? Like, and he's not an asshole about it. He's, you know, a relative good guy. He gets a little disappointed at times, but he's got to be in a weird position, right? Oh, I, most definitely. Like, there's a lot that could
1: happen with someone in his position, you know, someone who, first of all, like he he, he would have been dead, you know? So like he, he's come a lot further than he would have if he never met Sonny, I guess. Uh, so there's that, but, and he's very successful. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this position, but like, you're right. Like there is something about like seeing the ceiling and knowing like you can't go any further. Okay. But then where he is in this lifestyle, He's got a lot of information, right? And he could be, it could be used against the Corleone's and Mm. all it takes is for someone in the Corleone family to come along and be too suspicious of Tom and be like, you know, what if he talks and this and that. So like, he's in an even more precarious position than he might even realize one day. And it's like, they decide to kind of retire him down the line, I guess. But like, they could have like retired him if you know what I mean. But they don't because of that, familial relation you know of the fact that he was raised for all intent and purpose as part of the family but you're right like he can't ever get like made you know it's like goodfellas like he can't be a made man ever so there is always that seed of resentment that could grow but I see in his character the way it's written is that it's what sort of drives him to do his job the best you know to be the best consigliere instead of one that could sort of just get replaced and it's like look like the don didn't need to pick him as consigliere it could have been he could have been like tom i put you through law school and it's just it's not working it's not working out and it's not because you're not sicilian you know like the don could have gone with tessio or clemenza people he knew his entire american life right um but he doesn't use them, so there had to have been something about Tom, something more that they saw in him, and something that shows in the film, I think, and through his character is that, like, he would never betray the family, even though he knows he could never be part, like, 100% part of it.
0: There's two things that sparked in me, Mike, what you just said, because I think it was awesome and brilliant. The first one is something I repeat a lot. I'm going to repeat again. Like I said, if you have a shot out there, take your Zambuka now. (laughs) Not that you take a shot of it, but you know what I mean. How disappointed I am that they did not sign Robert Duvall for Godfather 3. Because everything you're saying would lead to a boiling up of that. And I'm not saying... You know, he's supposed to be Michael's foil. So was he the bad guy? It was probably going to be one of these things of like, I don't know who to choose. Because frankly... At that point, he probably earned it if Michael wanted to step back, despite him not being Sicilian, and that's the one thing that's going to stop him, right? So once again, yeah. I have to voice my upsetness. I wish he was in Godfather 3. That's, you know, to even further to your point,
1: to the fact that what Godfather 3 is more about, becoming a legitimate business and moving away from the Costa Nostra entirely, it would make more sense that you don't have someone of pure blood taking the reins anymore. It would be an even bigger show of faith that you're meaning to shed the entire criminal part of your organization. So,
0: Come on, it would have worked. Oh man, we'll never Love, get it. But Love part three. G3 forever. <laughs> I almost just in these last 30 seconds had a fantasy that there's almost a film between part two and part three mm. that we we can get that story and then he ends up dying because he's dead in part three. Why not? <laughs> like it's all like it's all coming
1: to a head and then tom passes away or something like or or you know maybe he gets bumped off and that's the real story so
0: lots to, a good point
1: lots, lots to have fun with
0: the other thing that you made me just kind of like oh light bulb moment tom was this orphan tom was brought into this family he could have been a dick about it right like he could have made it not work out somehow you're totally right but he took every advantage he had and made the best for himself. And he paid back his Don. Look, maybe he had to. You know, if you get a favor from the Don, it seems like you have to give it back, right? But still, like, he's a lawyer. He's articulate. He's helping the family out any way he can. He seems like a good enough lawyer to just have been in private practice and made a lot of money and been a good (laughs) dude, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it's juxtaposed with the character of Carlo, who's somewhat adopted because he marries into the family, who right away is like, they're like, nope, you know, we don't want him directly involved, but he's asking for it. He's jealous about it, you know. Tom has the chip on his shoulder that he's never a truly part of a family. And he still helps them, and he does the best he can. Carlo's a dick about it, you know. So I oh, never man. saw those characters as, like, juxtapositions until literally this conversation. And wow. now in that lens, I'm like, whoa, mind blown. I, I love it because
1: it's like the other children are the corleones, you know, it's like the the adopted and then the married into and so forth like i wish we had more information on uh Sonny's wife uh, you know like even the way kay is sort of played with throughout and everything like there's this part of it is that this outsiderness of it right is that like even though you're inside the gates you're still always going to be an outsider to them and on some level in some way no matter how hard you try and it's all about like how you take it you know and Carlo decided that like he uh he wanted to be a big man. Like he he wanted he didn't want to earn it, right? He just wanted it given to him. Tom is a man who earned it and will never have it handed to him and he's kind of like made a peace with that it seems, you know? And and like here comes Carlo and he's like I'm on easy street immediately and they're like that's just not the way it works and you know, we see what happens to Carlo.
0: So <laughs> and he's quite literally taking his frustration out on the one Colleone he actually does Control, which is Connie. Right. And it's terrible. Like, he just treats her like shit. The abuse is jarring to see. And yeah, it, it, it's really, really terrible. It's, it's
1: worse. It's worse than I re- remember, you know, like looking at it now, then. And then not even just, I mean, the, the makeup is like way worse than, I mean, it's great makeup. And, and the fact that it's like the bruises are way more than I remembered in that. But just the, the whole attitude about all of it you know is just so depressing and it's just like you know Sonny is such a good brother that's all I'll say like Sonny is the best type of brother that you're ever gonna want to have you know like Sonny's the kind of brother I would do that for my sister you know what I mean like (laughs) it's just just wild like they know too like there's something inside him that like that's how they're gonna get to him so it becomes like this I don't know, like some kind of self fulfilling prophecy between all them.
0: It's nuts. It's really nuts. Um, yes, that defense is admirable, but it's still so violent. Yeah, it is, but <laughs> Sonny's not a good guy. Again, he's cheating on his own wife, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, but he he's not a I mean look, it's, I'm not I'm not saying Sonny's good for what he's doing, but like he's not a wife beater, right? He's not beating his wife. I'm not saying it's right to cheat on her, but like he's not No, for sure know, it's fun he's it's weird to say but like he's not as bad as carlo <laughs> like and like on every level like as angry as Sonny, as smart as Sonny. like he's he's like sort of uh if you want to draw parallels he's like the um uh, instead of there's Sonny, and then there's like the the beta version which is carlo which is like they fucked up and got it wrong and then they made sunny which is like uh-oh we got it right
0: whoops we learned in the offer that I mean, I hope it's true that... I mean, honestly, all the evidence we've gotten seems like it is, even even uh, Carlo's testimony where he sort of denies it, but he kind of admits it. The Carlo actor, I should say. Um, that apparently the actor who played Carlo, who was like a real kind of shady character, at least it's depicted that way, that he was a little rough on Connie in one of the scenes, and that for who knows how... But the late James Caan got word of it. And during that like street brawl scene, that he really let him have it. I tried yeah. to watch it in like slow motion. And it's clear that early on, they're like stage punches. Like he's not really making contact, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, once he's yeah. on the ground, it looks like he's actually beating the shit out of him. So yeah. I don't know if it's true, but it is crazy when he goes and kicks his ass. But again... I understand that every person would want to do that. That's probably not the best way to handle that conflict because he's making himself vulnerable. He's in the street doing that publicly. I'm not advocating beating up anyone, to be clear. But if you're going to do it the smart way... yeah back alley or something somewhere quiet not like yeah, in front yeah. of everybody like that
1: and, and, and as bad as sonny wants to do it you're right he can't be out in the open like that he's got to get someone to go do it for him like you know that kind of thing um, but yeah you know regarding that sequence where they're fighting in the street um yeah, James kind of straight up like full on misses him in one or two swings of the of the punch, uh, but then I feel like everything with like the garbage can and the hands uh, like on the uh, like holding the gate or whatever like all that stuff feels like um, like things got a little intense. I was I was trying to. I was trying to, you know, investigate as I was watching, knowing what I know now.
0: You can't right. help it, and you're totally right. Like the beginning seems like it starts off true, like movie punches, but then once it's on the ground and he's throwing shit around, you're like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, help explain something to me, Mike. Sure. I've never understood what the plot is here. So we get a like a moment where once again, and this is the really aggressive time, Carlo beats Connie. It's hard to watch. I would trigger warn anyone to watch this scene. It might be with, like one of those aggressive scenes in like major movie history when he's when he's beating her like that. It's awful. But was it all a ploy to get Sonny to go over there? How does that make sense? So okay, so
1: from what I understand is Carlo went to them or they've got to carlo and they said we need to get sunny and he's like oh well i know how to get sunny you know i will i'll beat on my wife a little more and that'll get sunny to blow his temper and he'll come running and he's gonna want to come beat the shit out of me like last time this time he's gonna want to come and kill me so he's definitely gonna come if i hit her again and this time you know we'll be waiting for him at the toll booth and he'll never make it. It's, I think it's, I think that is the plan. I think the logic there is that like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we've been watching, we've been seeing what's going on. There's really no way to get to any of these guys uh, out in the open. So like, we got to go, go through like personal channels. So I feel like in some way they got to him, they got to Carlo, and he was like, yeah, fuck Sonny. Get him the fuck out of here. I fucking hate him. Like, you know, they screwed me over. They won't let me in the family, this and that, or whatever. Like, yeah. I never once doubted that he was involved, to be honest with you.
0: Oh, uh, I, I never doubted he was involved. I just, from a writing perspective, have always been confused. Like, what kind of sick person is like, here's how to get Sonny to come over here. Let yeah. Me- Actually, beat my wife to this level, right? Like he. Yeah. This sounds weird, but like he can't like. Just pull his punches a bit, you know. Like he has to do it to that level. Like he must Uh. be really disturbed to have to do it that way. And how do you know she's? I mean, he can assume she's going to react like that, but how do you know she's truly going to react like that? And they've set up the toll booth for nothing, you know. Unless there's like prep time, like unless it's like, oh, it actually happened. Go to the toll booth. Yeah, I mean, I think.
1: Well, I, I I'm not sure. I mean, maybe there were there were a couple plans in motion and things were in flux, and it was like we got a couple things going on that might work, and like, you know, just hang out at the toll booth. We'll let you know which one is on, which plan we're going with. But I, I don't know. I think it's a lot of it is like just Carlo being like i'm getting away with it this time too you know like Sonny's not gonna come back and stop me so this time i can really go as hard as i want like yeah he is a sadistic bastard too you gotta understand that like especially if he you know set up his brother-in-law and tried to take down the whole corleone family from within like you know he's a mole he's a despicable dude all this kind of stuff so i don't know other the other thing is that uh it's it might just not be the best writing. I don't know. Like <laughs> you had to read the rest of the novel, and like I, you know, they were on a time <laughs> crunch, and I'm sure they trust me. It's for what it's worth. It, it has the toll booth sequence in it, so it, we get like a very shocking and memorable uh, movie moment in uh, film history out of it. So I never once thought about that. To be honest, I was just like, oh, this is how they're gonna get him. Like he knows that, like beating on her will draw him out and so they draw him out and they get him.
0: The only other thing I can think of that could rationalize this is since they're going to the mattress mattresses, sorry, since they're going to the mattresses both sides, all sides maybe the distance between Sonny's house and Connie's house is enough where you have guys near that toll booth that all Carlo has to do is like quickly call like Right, he's on his way, and those guys can just like swarm there and do it. See, you know,
1: I, I, I think it's even easier than that. I think they woke up and like, today's the day. Like, you go to the toll booth, Carlo, you make the call at this time. You know, we know that he's gonna be at the compound or whatever. And like,
0: yeah, then the other thing I can think of is just again back to sadistic Carlo. Like, they're like, say to him, hey. make Sonny go to your house today. And he's like, I know how I can do it. You know? like (laughs)
1: Exactly. Well, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, because he can't just, he can't just go to Connie's because he'll have an escort. He needs something that he's going to race ahead for without thinking, you know, like they can't, they got to catch up to him. He's like, he's like, I'm going alone. I don't need the God, like whatever, you know, that remember uh, he leaves without protection, you know? So like, if Carlo was just like, hey, I need to talk to you, man, nah, that's not going to work.
0: <laughs> what makes this movie great is that you feel like you could pause any scene and somehow click a character, <laughs> and if you clicked on them, that movie would still be fascinating, right? Like, the Carlo right. story would be fascinating. Almost everyone in this movie, you're like, oh, my God, every character has depth that's explored, but not 100% explored that we have questions like and we want to know more and that's what makes a movie yeah. great right
1: i think that's part of what makes the sequel so beloved is that people wanted more of these characters like they wanted their future they wanted their past they wanted their entire the entire history of this family to some degree you know and we get most of that i think in the next movie that appetite is sufficiently uh, filled for me
0: and look, I'm not cool enough. I'm not letterbox enough or hipster enough <laughs> what? to be like, oh, my favorite movie is this random horror indie film here. Like, I truly think that my favorite movie is The Godfather 2, and I can't wait to cover that one. But we're still on Godfather 1, which is also in my top movies. But, like, okay, Mike, I only say that because if I had my top movies on letterbox as, like, Godfather godfather 2 you know like all these obvious <laughs> like, oh does this guy know movies it's so obvious and that's what's weird about like it's cool but weird about the podcast we do because on high school slumber party you and i are talking voyage of the rock aliens uh, <laughs> yeah. with, with with joey on uh your show what did we just talk oh uh, the howling three the marsupials you know we're talking these like right. real deep cut films and <laughs> it's awesome just to talk the greatest film of all time, or one of the greatest films of all time, The Godfather. You know, but
1: Brian, think of how amazing and legendary you'd be on Letterbox if two of your top four films were The Godfather and The Howling Three.
0: <laughs> Good point. Good point. Like instantly epic. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, Sunny at the toll booth, classic scene. It's like overkill, like the definition of overkill. I've heard people say, like, when their team loses a big game, like by a lot of points, it was Sonny at the toll booth, you know? Cause oh, it's...
1: that's nice. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is the epitome of overkill. Like, he's <laughs> dead already. It's like, you know, stop shooting. Like, you he, he can't be more dead than he already is, you know? But uh, I guess they do their best to not warrant the open casket, as it were.
0: Yeah. It's like, Sonny is such a hothead. Like, every bullet is for every time Sonny lost his temper, essentially. <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, essentially,
1: yeah, kind of. Like, they have to desecrate the body to a degree that he kind of, like, treaded on the world. That's an interesting sort of way to look at it. You know, I wonder if any of that was put into consideration while they were writing It's it like, his death needs to be very horrifying because this man has caused a lot of pain to a lot of people in his life. And, like, even though we've been sort of endeared to him for some of the things that we've seen him go through like you know almost losing his father his brother being sent away this and that and like whatever he needs to have kind of like a very horrible death to justify the life that he lived I guess
0: absolutely it's biblical Mike it's you live by the sword you die by the sword 100% there. And he is a tragic figure, despite his temper, because yes, he cheats on his wife, but he does have a family, and the last time his wife is seeing him, and we see it here, she's like, Sonny, where are you going, essentially? She'll never see him alive again, and that is really sad. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're right. And he didn't run off to, like, go cheat on his wife, he ran off to go, you know, protect his sister, so, like, at, at the core, he is a family man, you know? And it's just, it's vice that got a hold of him and his vice is sex so that and violence sex and violence 100 percent. yeah
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh man and then oh, speaking of tom Oof. the scene one of the best acted scenes in the film and there's a lot of them the scene where the dawn sort of wakes up and he's walking around and tom is distraught and he's like, cars are coming. The dawn is mm-hmm. like, Ugh. cars are coming back and forth. My wife is crying upstairs. What's going on, Tom? I see you needed a drink. You've had your drink. What's going on? And, and Tom, who's lost a brother, has to tell his adoptive father that his firstborn son has been killed. And it's just heartbreaking on all amends. Just like personal experience. The worst things I've ever felt, and we've all, I can't say we all, but anyone who's experienced death in their life has had to do this. When you've had to tell someone who you love, who mutually love the person that passed, that that person has passed, that's one of the hardest things a human being can go through. And to see it in this scene, I'm like getting emotional talking about it because... You see it in the scene. It's like, oh my god! If you've been there, you know. You know.
1: I mean, I've been there quite recently, and it, like, it, it is the part of the movie that feels the most realistic, to be quite honest with you, because it's like it's not a gangster movie anymore. It's just a movie about it's a drama about this family, and this man has now lost two sons within as many days, almost. You know, like Michael is gone, and he lost him technically he'll never be the boy that he wanted him to be so he's lost his soul and then now Sonny is damned to hell like he's basically dead I mean he is dead he's dead he's died a very violent death you know and so like two and now he's left with what Fredo like (laughs) I just (laughs) sorry I had to I had just had to throw in like a little bit of levity there but like yeah I mean it's just the way it's the way it's shot the way it's acted and everything else it feels almost like I don't know it feels it feels more real like it feels more like I'm watching a a play at this point than a movie and then and then we go back to like it being a movie but like very touching very tactful to put that like right there you know to be like you know this this movie's like getting really fucking crazy let's just like stop short and like face the reality of what's actually going on here for a minute before we move forward anymore because when we as we go along like we're gonna experience like joy and 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 love and all this and then that's gonna get taken away you know like we're gonna go up and down again and again throughout this saga so like you know we need to take breaths like this every once in a while and take stock of the situation and like be like hold up like i need to comprehend i need to like Figure out, like, all right, before we can move forward, what's been going on?
0: (laughs) There's a version of this film. It's not a better version. It's the worst version. It might be the more realistic version in terms of what was happening in Hollywood then and now. There's a version of this film where this is the climax. The Don gets up. His adoptive son, who's now presumably sort of in charge, at least temporarily... Tells him that his firstborn son is dead. His other son has been... Sh- two of his other sons have technically been shipped off to other places. And the Don gets up. If the Godfather was about Vito Colion, this might be the ending, right? He gets up, and we have this bookend of the first scene we see in the movie is the funeral guy saying, like, you know, I want justice, done, And he says, okay, fine. I will do what I can to avenge your daughter's beating if you do a favor for me later. And the favor gets returned in that funeral parlor, and it's so just poetic. And it, Well, first, when Tom calls in, is like, you need to repay your don. He's going to be there in, what, like half an hour? Be yeah. ready at your funeral parlor. And the guy's there, and he's scared. He's like, what is he going to have me do? And essentially revealing his son. And just, you see Marlon Brando's eyebrows in that scene? He's just like so emotional. He's like, I don't want his mother to see him this way. They massacred my boy, and it's like, yeah. Another actor That's over overacts there, though. You know, he's like they massacred my boy. You know, nothing like yeah. that. <laughs> and it's just beautiful and sad and depressing. And there are certain gangster tales that would end here, right? Like if this, mm. if Michael wasn't the main character. You could yeah. you could justify an ending about now, and be like, "Wow, huh. that was a tough war, right?" It's not as good of a movie. That's,
1: no, that's interesting. I'm glad that never came up. You know that that as uh, as much as they wanted to cut this film down, Evans was never like, "Well, just ended halfway through. God damn it, just call it there and call it a day." And, you know, Michael's gone, Fredo's <laughs> gone, fucking Sunny Shout, fucking done. You know, it's the end of the movie. All the kids are gone. Just make it dead i'm glad that never came up i don't know it's a very interesting thought like that's uh quite a possibility you know and you would have be wrong like they it, it would play like that like another movie with less see like here's the difference it's like this movie isn't even about the plot it's about the characters and that's why i feel like it goes on you know like we now jump to michael And we follow him now because Sonny's gone, you know? So, like, it's like this hopscotch thing. Like, first we're following the Don, then we're following Sonny, now we're following Michael. Like, it's uh, it's pretty fun like that.
0: Yeah, and the way the movie depicts it, the Sicily stuff is more interspliced. We're just talking about it like this because it's more organized. But you got me thinking, Mike, if this was like a TV show, season one ends here. And season two Mm. opens up in Sicily.
1: Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I wonder if this is how it's structured when he cut it all together for television. You know, I haven't seen it, so I don't in its entirety. Mm. So I don't know if he put all of Sicily in one big giant lump together. But that would be fun to watch like that. And it pretty much happens. I feel, for the most part, like I feel like to me it plays as if the America stuff. Yeah, it's happening at the same time, but it feels like it wraps up sooner than the Sicily stuff does for some reason. I don't know. Just that's just kind of like my takeaway from it. But
0: because I think this America stuff is some of the most underrated stuff in the film. It's 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 the massacre of my boy is famous, but some of the other stuff. Yeah. You know what? You want to know how famous
1: the massacre of my boy line is? Is that uh, I was at the tattoo parlor a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking about the Godfather and gangster films, and my tattoo artist knew. He he said that quote, and then he said, "But I've never seen the movie." And so <laughs> he
0: he's was, never he's, seen the Godfather, no,
1: and he's around. I'm not. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to blow him up, even though he's great, and I want to send customers to him. But like. You know and he's around my age uh and i was like you know he was he's like it's three hours and it feels it looks kind of slow i was like it might just he's like split it up into two days it's got more action than you might think if that's what you're looking for but yeah it's just funny how famous these lines are and how integrated into our lives they are and yet some people you know still still haven't seen the source
0: it's crazy it's crazy to think about
1: I should drop off a copy tomorrow to the shop and be like, here, this is...
0: <laughs> tomorrow? You're getting like, another tattoo, Mike? No, what?
1: no, I'm figuring I should just drop by the shop oh. tomorrow and be like, here's a copy of The Godfather for Sean.
0: <laughs> well, on High School Summer Party, my cousin Pumpkin got a Goofy Movie tattoo for the show. Mike, you are a very tattooed man. Uh, and Uncle yes. Francis tattoo is going on there at some point. Mm,
1: that you got me thinking, what would that be? Ooh, oh
0: my gosh. interesting. Interesting. I want to take a little two or three minute side segue before we get to Sicily. I know everyone out there is waiting for Sicily, but racism in The Godfather. We see a couple scenes here that really put it to the forefront. And I don't mean The Godfather is racist. I actually think it's a bit progressive that they're actually pointing out how racist the mafia is. Mm -hmm. There are two lines that, as an adult, as an adult in 2022, really, really get to me. The first is Sonny when he's the Don. He's sitting down and he's talking about um, how they've sort of set up these banks in Harlem Mm -hmm. that they're giving loans at high interest, and he's almost like laughing at them for taking it and they're never going to be able to pay it back. They're like they've organized a somewhat legal scheme to screw over minorities, and that's something the the Mafia actually did. So. I'm impressed by the shout-out. And if you yeah. ever wonder why, like, oh, why was Mario Puzo threatened? Why was Mario Puzo scared? Because when he wrote the book, more so in the book and less in the movie, but when he wrote the book, he wasn't like, oh, the mafia is great. It's really cool. Like, he was depicting a lot of the bad stuff, too. Yeah. And that's here. And then later in a scene we'll talk about, I, I want to talk about after Cecily, one of the other Dons from somewhere else talks about, like, how, yeah. yes... I don't like drugs, but we can make money on drugs, essentially. If we sell it only to... I'm I'm not using his words, but if we sell it only to uh, the black parts of town, and he says a line along the lines of, like, they're animals anyway, let them destroy their souls. And it's like, oh. Oh, and that's true, too. The mafia was highly involved in the drug trade, and they did go into inner city communities like that Mm -hmm. and, and ruin them first with that. So, like... All true stuff that yeah. I don't think regular, like, AMC, It's a Saturday, Godfather watchers are thinking about, but it's like, whoa, they're, they're, they're like, digging into the mafia in this. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I bet they would have put more in there if they could have, too. I think Coppola was on the same wavelength as Puzo, but Puzo might have been a little more on the political bend, you know? And Coppola wanted it to pull back and make it more family... Not family-friendly, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm saying about the family. Yeah, 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 for sure. In those scenes, like, as you say, like, Sonny is is one of the people who is making derogatory statements or not statements, but, like, you know, whatever. like, he's part of, like, he's enjoying the way that they're scheming on these people. And then in the other one, the Don is in that room. He is not disagreeing with what this other man is saying or the way that he's putting any of it, you know? So, like, it might not be coming out of his mouth, but, like, He's culpable to a level, too. Like, he shares in, in in the viewpoint. So, to that degree, like, the Don is also not, like, you know, the greatest when it comes to being a racist.
0: No, it's kind of how they make peace in that scene. And, again, we'll right. get to it, but it's just like, okay, well, if we can sell to them, it's fine. It's like, whoa.
1: I mean, it also makes you think about the Turk to a degree, too. It's like, was it because of his status that he was you know it's like i don't know it's interesting like because he was just as much a common criminal as they were coming up so what was it was it his background was it his ethnicity that they didn't like we don't really get into it much but like the don is now selling drugs is what's important. you know what i'm saying like he is now doing the plan that the turk wanted to in order to get Michael home right essentially or to at the end the war or to like make a peace
0: and we'll get we'll get into that scene in more depth but I do want to fly over to Sicily before because
1: Hello?
0: and Mike I'm disappointed you haven't commented on my outfit no I'm not Han Solo
1: no <laughs> I I was only going to wait <laughs> Until it was appropriate to say so, and yeah, Han Solo is a good call. But I knew instantly when you came on the air that uh, you were dressed for Sicily, my friend.
0: I am dressed for Sicily, and I don't look an iota Italian. So if someone's watching, they're like, "Oh, is he a poet? Is he a? Is he in Peter Paul and Mary? No, no, no. This is my Sicily hat I found. This is the vest, a vest that doesn't fit me anymore that I found in my closet, and I'm just like, you know." Chilling in Sicily, hiding out is my Sicily outfit. So thank you for acknowledging. Finally, I appreciate it. I love the Sicily stuff in this movie. And it's not as long as you think. Honestly, if you add it up all the time for Sicily, it's not that long, but it's so impactful. It's so beautiful. And It's so amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean it makes me think of uh that scene in the offer when they're like, uh, you know, where is the lights? Where are you where's all your equipment? And he kind of just like points to the sun and he's like, There's my light right there. Like it looks so different, but, like, so also, like, part of the other stuff. You know, like, it's all very coherent, but this this stuff is such a breath of fresh air because, like, we're out in this big, wide, open landscape. There's just the countryside, and, like, we have donkeys instead of cars, you know, and they're just walking everywhere, and we got the heat, and and it's, like, mostly just, like, bright white and whereas before it was like all these dark browns and everything and it's just like so nice visually on top of what happens uh, story-wise like i i love the sicily stuff so much
0: mike this is why this show needs to get big this is why you cellar dwellers out there nephews need to promote this show and get us paid somehow because we want to take the show to Sicily because I want to go to Sicily. Yes. I want to walk villages and I want to do a live episode of Sicily. That's the dream. (laughs) Oh, I I keep saying my favorite part of the movie or the best part of the movie or the best acting part of the movie. The Sicily stuff is just so beautiful. And Francis has talked about this. The whole Sicily chapter is about Michael's final loss of innocence, right like yeah he's crossed over because he shot a cop and he shot Salazzo but there's almost a little hope in his heart that he has a chance that maybe he lives his life in Sicily and lives this fantasy but it is not See, to be
1: he, like he has literally crossed over and physically crossed over now he is actually where like mob began mafia started you know (laughs) like he like that's how i'm trying to think of it on that level like it's so literal you know it's like he's crossed over into this world and now he's in sicily he's literally in the world of the mob and like it's it's just so fun to think about like how deep he's in and to think that he you know considers being able to have some kind of life there i feel sorry for him on some level you know almost because like he's only there to heal physically he's not there like he has no chance of healing emotionally and he tries to and it just like is the thing that sends him over the edge it's like it's what turns him into you know for modern parlance essentially darth vader you know like he just becomes a machine after that just like a mob machine man of some kind so i especially love that like this part for that you know you you see what his hopes and dreams are and then unfortunately we have to see them explode right in his face um but quite literally yeah yeah i mean that's the thing i love how literal this movie is you know that's the journey like that's that's the only way it could have gone you know like if he had just You know, done nothing, he probably would have exploded in that car bomb because there would have been no one else to bring the car around for him. Fabrizio would have just like, you know, ditched him one day or shot him in the head or something. So, like, one way or the other, something bad was going to happen out there. So, by the skin of his teeth, he makes it back to America, I, I feel.
0: And look, normally I don't like to go scene by scene in a movie when we talk on a podcast, but just like every scene is so good in this movie that we almost <laughs> have to, right? So here's my Sicily notes. Early on, we get Don Tomasino. He's going to yes. be a big character in all three movies. And by the way, we yeah. get a Sicily in all three movies, which is amazing. That's right.
1: And Brian, Sicily is my favorite part of like, part three as well so like i don't know what to tell you (laughs) and tomasino is the best you know he's just like always out of breath always sweating too much (laughs) just that amazing uh mansion that he lives in just wonderful
0: yes he's obviously powerful yes i could see how he became a don but i also can't like he doesn't seem like he physically killed anyone you know (laughs) because he's like you're right he's always he's always out of breath he almost he almost
1: seems like um I don't know like there's just there's there's not that much going on out there right so you know there, there's probably lots of dons actually now that i think about it like it's sicily so like it maybe it's an honorary title to a degree or something but hey the bottom line is like he's there to provide protection in all of the in all the movies and like that's his trade and he kind of fails doesn't he for the most
0: part like <laughs> i never thought about <laughs> it like that but you're kind of right He's kind of like a, a shitty host in that way. <laughs> so again, the Sicily stuff is so beautiful and when we get there we see Don Tomasino and Michael's walking with his two bodyguards and Don Tomasino approaches and is like, Where are you going? He's like, Oh, I'm walking to Colleone. The the town that his family is named after. We learn why later. I, I was thinking about this like if you first watch The Godfather, you're like, wait a minute. The town and their last name is the same? The book is very clear about why, but like the movie isn't until you see Godfather 2. So yeah. we won't we won't spoil it if you haven't seen it, but it's almost like you go back in time a hundred years for them when they're yeah. in the town. Everything's old fashioned, everything's old school. And Michael's just reconnecting with his roots. As as a second generation immigrant as I am, like, I've had these experiences not with guns and walking around and I didn't shoot, uh, kill a cop or anything, but going back to, like, Dominican Republic and it, it's a land that I don't know, I've never lived there, but, you know, all generations of my family have lived there. And and going back and, like, reconnecting with that, it, it's a very spiritual process and it's almost like that to the a millionth degree for Michael because it's what you said. He's potentially removed from everything he knows and he's here against his will and he's sort of going to make the most of it
1: yeah like he's going to Treated like a pilgrimage, like he's in the entirely wrong state of mind, if you ask me. Like, Don Tomasino's like, Where are you going? Where are you going? It's dangerous to walk around all over the place out here. And he's like, I'm going to Corleone, where like uh, my family's from. And, And you could feel like Tomasino's like, Oh my god, what is with this kid? Like, can he just stay inside the grounds of the compound, please? But he's like, oh, I'm going to go get in touch with my roots. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go all over the place. I'm going to let people know my name. You know, like he really learns a harsh lesson, which he will repeat later in the movie, which is like pretty much don't talk to anybody. (laughs) Like, Don't say shit to anyone you can't trust that you don't know that basically isn't family. Don't talk about anything with anybody or else like, Something like this can be used against you. Information. Information he will learn. And he knows. He's like, I he's like, I've got something worth more than gold. Information about me. So yeah, like maybe it's just love is that strong that crazy of an emotion to make somebody do something that stupid you're married Brian tell me (laughs) crazy stupid things does love make you do but you know I I just think like I that's just another reason I feel sorry for him during these sequences is because it's like no like lay low like lay low instead of have a
0: wedding and laying low is not Sleeping on a mattress in a tenement in New York. Laying low is living at a villa and chilling, chilling, you know what I mean? Yeah. Drinking wine
1: and grapes all day and just, you know, (laughs) just stay inside the grounds though. Like, don't go, like, introducing yourself to new people.
0: Wild. Wild. But, yes, what you're alluding to is just Michael's little walk to the town meeting. How about, we discussed this on last episode, or maybe this episode before that, but the air-quoting big dick energy that, that Michael suddenly has. But oh, at, yeah. at that cafe, after he sees Apollonia, the beautiful Apollonia, the mysterious Apollonia... Oh the last
1: god, She's of... it so beautiful, you're <laughs> gonna die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the last vestige of innocence. And him and the two bodyguards are at this cafe, and the owner of the cafe, they're talking about women, they're talking about the beautiful woman, and they describe the woman he saw, and he, gets, he goes in and he's angry, right? And instead of, like, leaving, because one of the bodyguards is like, yo, we better get out of here. This this guy, that's his daughter. He's going to kill us. (laughs) He's like, no, bring bring him out. Translate for me. And he's like, listen, uh, I'm in Sicily. I'm hiding here. That's good information. But then if you told anyone that, your your daughter would lose a father instead of gaining a husband. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's like the fucking, sorry to curse, but that's like the the mic drop of the movie. It's like, oh. What? Like, this is Michael's, like, Don move right here. Again, BDE right here. Boom. And it's just like. Well, yeah. He basically threatens the guy's life
2: and
1: says, if you don't let me marry your daughter, I'm going to kill you. Like, (laughs) what? Like, I, I never really, until recent viewings, it didn't really hit me that hard, you know, how coded his words are, really, where he's like, it's like in Goodfellas, where it's like, you may know who we are, but we know who you are. It's like you want to you want to keep breathing and raise some grandkids, or uh, you know. Anyway, it was a bad day for all of them
0: to meet. (laughs) Like it's funny too. I don't. I shouldn't say funny, but it's funny too because you could tell that the mafia is such a big thing in Sicily that Michael can make a threat like that, and the dad is like. Hey, let's do this. Yeah,
1: actually, you know, that's that's funny too. Yeah, where he's like, you know, okay, I will let you meet my daughter. We'll have a supervised visit. We'll throw a little get-together, you know, bring her something nice. You'll meet not just my daughter, but you'll meet my wife and all, uh, my, my mother, her mother, their mothers. Like, everybody in town will come and check you out and make sure that you're a good boy.
0: And a lot of these scenes are just about Coppola and Gordon Willis. Just like visually expressing their artistic vision of this is yeah. a longer version of what what I really wanted to say but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be crude about it because I actually love it but it's like they got the opportunity to be artists here in Sicily if you believe the offer like they had very little studio hands on them in Sicily and they were like yeah. let's do it because the wedding sequence, is long, that dating sequence is so old school and beautiful and long, right? When they look at Apollonia's face, you know, and how she's experiencing it, and Michael with the bruise experiencing it. By the way, they got married way too soon because Michael's still bruised if you notice. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. all this is like there's not a lot of dialogue. It's just music and countryside and the sun and it's it's beautiful. And again, it's like your last Last chance at innocence Mike
1: yeah, so at the at the risk of sounding pretentious or whatever, like this part of the movie, like the reason why it's just objectively so great is because it is for the most part like well, for American audiences, this is kind of like as close to something like pure cinema or like world cinema as they're gonna ever get, okay, like this is like they're watching like an Italian film with no subtitles. Okay. It's all show don't tell for the most part. Like you're hearing Italian, you're seeing a few subtitles, but everything between Michael and Apollonia is is between looks. They barely talk to each other. I don't think they say, you know, five, six words to each other the entire movie. That is why I feel it works so well is because Coppola is able to just use the visuals and the sounds and the feelings and the emotions and and capture the tone of this so perfectly and he lulls us into this false sense of security (laughs) so perfectly you don't even realize it's fucking happening you don't even realize what's gonna happen It's it's awesome
0: so good i remember the first time i saw this movie i'm like oh i thought he loved k but this is nice yeah
1: there's that all that too about k you're like wait a minute He's cheating on Kay right now, kind of, right? Like, he's going to get married to another girl? Okay. All right. All right.
0: But you're with it because you get captured by the moment. You get captured by the beauty, mm-hmm. not just of Apollonia, but of just the the setting. And you could see that anyone, being almost a different planet, would think to themselves, what would it be like being here? And Look, we've all been on vacation. Oh, I hope you know. Like anyone who's ever like taken a trip, you've had that universal feeling. You say to yourself, "Could I live here? Wouldn't it be great to live here?" And it, it's a an erroneous thought because, like, yeah, if you're on in that Mexican resort, yeah, it would be great to live in the resort. But you got to get a job. You got to work. You got to have money, right? But yeah, you picture yourself there and being there all the time. And Michael almost has that opportunity. He's just like, "Let me just live this life," you know, and how it's cut down after this beautiful scenes of the wedding and when they're together and he's teaching her English and teaching her how to drive. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) It's iconic and beautiful. And I I wish I could be transported back to that young person I was watching The Godfather for the first time and getting drawn into this and thinking like, oh, this is the movie and this is where we're going now. And then... Seeing Apollonia die like that It was like You know, because they have this they, They have this, like, sex scene, you know Yeah I don't want to be creepy by saying it But, like, it feels like it's the first time She's ever shown her breast to a man, you know Oh,
1: yeah, she's a virgin, for sure Yeah, I think so I think that's
0: implied And traditionally, back to the Bible, obviously yeah. Virgins have represented innocence and purity, right? So, like, Coppola yeah. and Gordon Willis and everyone involved in, in and Puzo are telling us, like, so in your face, like, innocence, innocence, innocence. And yeah, dude, things- that's why, I mean, movies aren't
1: literal enough for my taste these days, even if you're a Marvel movie. Like, you, you know, just say what you're trying to say. Don't, you know what I mean? Like, I appreciate that so much, so much more. So much more. So, yeah, I mean he is trying to regain that innocence that he lost when he murdered two people, you know, and had to come here, but he's not going to find it here because he's in purgatory. That's where he really is Mm. right now. And he just doesn't know it. You know, good call
0: Mike. So (laughs) salute purgatory. Sicily is a fantasy. He's living a fantasy and reality has to come back. He's going to be haunted by the decisions he makes. And A little segue into, like, the two bodyguards, right? Like, I forgot Mm -hmm. their names, but... Isn't one Fabrizio? One's Fabrizio. The other one... I don't know who's the killer and who's not, so I wish I knew. (laughs) But um, one of them ends up in The Godfather 3. Yes. Doing the donkey thing, right? Or his son or something. His son (laughs) or something? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other one... It's funny because like he's more the one who seems closer to Michael. He speaks English, right. but he's obsessed with America and getting to America, uh, and I'll explain why in a second. So this is the the forties. By the way, another segue here. This is gonna be crazy what I'm about to do, but if you Google Godfather timeline, there's a Godfather wiki that has the accurate timeline of the films. Huh. And dude, it's nuts it's nuts because we were talking about this last time we were talking about off air like how things or when things take place right so according to this godfather wiki michael murders Salazzo in 1946 and then flees to sicily and that's when the war yeah. begins right in 1947 yeah. he marries apollonia so this is yeah. still right after the war American troops are occupying Sicily, so we see them pass by, which I think is a cool image. And the one dude who Uh ends up betraying Michael is like, oh, I want to go to America. You know, essentially he's saying, G.I., G.I. This is something that we'll talk about on Extended Cuts, but there are deleted scenes from Godfather 2 where Michael goes to Buffalo, of all places, because... Yep. One of the five families has made a deal with this guy and says, We'll bring yes. you to America if you organize this. And they're good on their word. And he owns like a pizza shop in Buffalo. Yes. And Michael like yeah. takes a side trip yeah, and yeah. kills him.
1: Yeah. So all of that, if I'm not mistaken, is in the book. Oh. It's in okay. the Godfather. Yeah, from when I read it. If I'm not if I'm not going crazy, yeah, he tracks this fucker down and gets him. <laughs> and he's back in America. He makes him and he waits a while. Like he knows where he is and he makes the guy feel like he's safe in all this shit, I think. And then like shows up one day and gets him. I'm pretty sure it's all in the book. If it was planned for the second film, most of the stuff in part two, well, most of the stuff that isn't Michael anyway is from the original novel. So, oh, okay. Like, all of the stuff with the Don going back to Sicily and all that, um, that's all in the book. That's all in Godfather 1. Like, there is no Godfather 2 novel. Like, it's all in the first book for the most part.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we'll do a book thing on here at some point for sure. This show, again, is a fledgling show. We're pretty new at this. Um, we'll get there, but it is fascinating. I guess on this academic watch, watching it for the podcast and noticing all the clues that they're giving us that this guy's like one dream is just to get to the United Mm. States and and seeing why he would betray someone he seems like pretty close to there. Let me set the scene. Don Tomasino, sweaty, (laughs) sweaty and out of breath is basically like, Michael, bad news from America. Sonny's dead. Obviously, Michael's pretty upset. He's like, we're mm-hmm. gonna move you to a different part of Sicily, we're gonna put you in a villa. You gotta leave pretty soon. Pack up and let's go. And basically set, tell says so the bodyguard is gonna betray him. He's like, My wife's gonna stay here. I'm gonna go to the villa first. I wanna make sure things are safe. Um, yes. it's, and he's like, it's just you driving the car? Yep. Just right. you? Yeah, like yeah. first of all.
1: He's <laughs> like, he's like, you, Michael. Are going to drive a car by yourself?
0: Right. OK. <laughs> Honestly, it makes him a little bit of a sympathetic figure, this guy who betrays him because he's like he doesn't want to kill Michael's wife. He just wants yeah. like, to do it to get to America. And he knows Michael's probably not a great guy, you know? He's a, he's a mafia dude out here. So not, I'm sure he doesn't feel great about it, but he's got a goal and he wants to achieve it. Yeah. And then suddenly, boom. Apollonia is in the car. She's surprising him. Explosion. Oh, Crazy I mean, it's, explosion.
1: It's, it's weird about, about the bodyguard, Fabrizio, because even when he's translating to the father for Michael, it's as if he's finding out who Michael really is for the first time also. You know, he's like... Good point. You know, when he tells him to translate he, and he tells him... He's like, you sure you want me to tell him this? He's like, yes, repeat what I say, you know? He's like, okay, uh, I didn't realize that. And yes, like, you know, you got to give him a little whatever it is for, like, seeing his shot and trying to take his shot, you know? Like, Michael did the same thing, you know? And uh, it just turned out he came from Means, so, like, they could, you know, calculate what he needed to do and pull it off properly, whereas this guy is, like seemingly all on his own, you know, and uh, saw opportunity and tried to make the most of it. But yeah, it, it, it's just extra bitter that, you know, he's betrayed from someone inside his circle there, you know, that that it didn't come from someone outside, that it wasn't some kind of scorned lover of Apollonia or something like that, or or just some random hitman that happened upon the village one day or something. But like, and then the misunderstanding of 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 her being in the car at the time and it's just like she's so happy and and he's putting together what's going on and then he just knows that there's a bomb in the car before right before it's too late so it's just like he realizes it like you see the look on his face where he knows that it's going to explode and that it was meant for him and there's just it's like what did he do he just like destroyed That family's life, like by taking that girl from them, and oh man, so depressing.
0: (laughs) So, once again, that sparked two thoughts in me, Mike. The first one, the first one is really random, but another iconic Al Pacino performance is Scarface, of course, right?
1: Yeah, where he wants to have sex with a sister.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Scarface, there's a similar thing that happens where there's this sort of weird segue where they're in new york and they need to kill this dude and they have a bomb in the car and every day the dude who's gonna again speak against the drug trade he goes alone to his meeting so they have it all planned out and the one day that they're gonna you know blow up the car similarly his wife and kids come with him and al pacino's character there tony montana I I sound so silly saying that, but Tony Montana doesn't want to do it, and the other people do. Tony Montana ends up calling it off, and it's a whole big thing, but I just thought it was interesting that sort of similar moments in two iconic Al Pacino things, uh, things, films. Too much
1: wine. Too much wine.
0: The other thing that I wanted to ask you, Mike, was, I kind of want to ask our guest this, My friends hate me and know me as the scenario person. I'm always asking scenarios of people. Yeah. Uh, And I've often asked this question. As someone who's covered Twilight way too much in my life on my other podcasts, it's like Team Edward, Team Jacob. Are you Team Apollonia or Team K? Who do you think is Michael's true love?
1: I think Apollonia. I think K was Michael Corleone's true love. But then he became Dark Michael, right? And Apollonia was like, you know, like we're saying, like he needed something that was more pure, maybe, something that represented something more innocent. And I think also at that point, he felt like he was finding his roots and that to wed a pure Sicilian like his father to be like his own like his own mother was would have been a stronger bond and would have made him feel I think um better about himself or better about running the family and make you know and then he probably would have learned Sicilian to communicate with her the way she was learning English and I mean he does know Sicilian so never mind that but
0: uh but he doesn't he doesn't know it he doesn't know it conversationally he knows it
1: yeah 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 I think At this moment, when he turns and becomes this version of Michael, um, it's all about her. And even when he comes back, I think Kay is a front for him. Kay is his way of having the quote unquote normal family that he could drag in front of like business associates or take to parties or, you know, have photos of on his mantle, that kind of thing. You know, a family for the sake of it. You know, I don't I don't ever think that he really has that family uh, for the right reasons, I guess. I don't know. It just feels like he has it as like his cover. I'm a family man. Oh, but really I'm the Don kind of thing.
0: So I am famously Team K <laughs> I don't know why. I love Diane Keaton. That's probably it. Hashtag Coastal Grandma. I feel like Apollonia was just a fantasy. I feel like she was destined to die because that was never going to happen with him. I feel like Kay is real, K is realistic, and again, eventually flash forward, they do get divorced, and I feel like Michael earned that as well, but I feel like I'm a man of karma. I feel like if you did the deed, and the- K is great, right? I feel bad for Kay, and we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to clarify quickly, like, K is not the problem. Michael's the problem.
0: You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's all I 100%. meant. Like. She- Yeah,
1: she's a terrific character, person, but, like, yeah, for Michael.
0: I truly believe that Kay was his, the one. Kay was his, the one, only someone. And he fucked it up by his actions. That Apollonia was just this fantasy, the escape, that that was never going to happen. But that, realistically, he should have been like, my family's at war, but I'm not going to be a part of it, Kay. Let's move to New England, and let's just be people out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. But there's no chance of that happening anymore. And I think somewhere deep down, he knew that. And so to, I thought he would bring Apollonia back to America with him one day, you know, like that's how that was going to go down. Uh, and he'd never see Kay again. But I don't want this to come across like Kay is a bad choice. It's just that Michael isn't the same Michael anymore. Like he can't relate to her anymore. Like, they don't talk. Like, he starts keeping secrets. Like, she needs communication and he is a closed book. So, that's part of why their marriage you know, dissolves in the later films. And we'll get to that when we get to that.
0: But Well, I want to set up that question because if we ever have a guest and hopefully they've seen The Godfather, I want to ask them that. Like, are you Team Apollonia or Team K? So... We'll see. Yeah, because
1: also the other thing about Apollonia is, you know, if Michael didn't follow his feelings or his gut or whatever he was following with her, yes, she never would have died, but he never would have become what he needed to, to be the Don when he returns, you know what I'm saying? Like, he comes back and he is like the devil, you know what I mean? Like, he really doesn't see much positive stuff left in the world. And once his father passes away, like he's really done, you know, like it feels like a robot, like he is just like no emotions for the rest of the movie, really, except for serious, my, ser- super serious, you know, down the business. Let's just do business because that's all I can do right now. I don't have the capacity to process emotions i just need to do business
0: <laughs> so let's get back there Let, let's get back to america and uh, we've been talking about this meeting and we've been alluding to this meeting of the don he finally is back to at least like part of himself and all the five families are together all the affiliates are together they're at this like sort of boardroom table and they're talking about what they're going to do and he just wants peace he's basically like listen I've lost a son. has lost a son. Let's just end this war. And Barsini, one of the other Dons, is leading this meeting. But you can tell right here, he's totally not on the Don side. And the Don can tell this as well. The drug trade's going to go on. They declare peace. But I think it's so poignant, so poignant, that the Don says basically like, all right, I'll agree to all those things. I don't seek vengeance. It will never be me who starts another war.
1: Yes, this is a great line But if an act of uh, oh, yes, Something yeah. like, exactly. if like If it's like an act of nature If uh, if my son should get struck by a bolt of lightning
0: Or something he's yeah, like, he's I will like, come for you <laughs> He's like basically like, look, I got a son in Sicily I, That's where I've been hiding him I hid him out there If anything happens to him I will blame the people in this room So do not fuck with Michael Yeah,
1: yeah and then he says, like, like if a bolt of lightning shall strike him, exactly. like, I will still blame the people in his room. Like,
0: if he's shot by—first he says if he's shot by a cop, if this happens, even if a bolt of lightning strikes him, it's like, don't fuck with him. And that's what get, gets Michael back to the, U, to the United States. Yeah. It's epic. It's also interesting that he doesn't mention Fredo at all. Oh, by the way, if got on Las Vegas, don't kill him. Nah, <laughs> uh, no one's thinking about Fredo. Yeah. Poor, poor Fredo, Fredo <laughs> poor Fredo. Oh my but God. But that is
1: kind of funny how he's like, if a bolt of lightning should strike Michael, I'm going to blame you all. But if Fredo should get, I don't know, fall in a river and carried away somewhere, <laughs> well, I'll just let it fly.
0: But this is also, you know, this is where he realizes it's Barzini, that Don, who's really the one. Yeah. Tata- I love the line, Tattali's a pimp. It was Barzini, Barzini all along.
1: That, ugh, what a great delivery where just the disgust in his voice, you know? Like, just trashing him.
0: <laughs> so let's get to the final chapter of this film. Michael's oh, rise to the, to being the Don. We go to Vegas in this. We get to our big ending in this. It's not as long as I remembered it being. Like, yeah, it-
1: Vegas is way quicker. It's only like one scene, two scenes maybe. Very fast. And then I thought the... The baptism scene, like that's very long. I thought, but but very good. But but much longer than I recalled. Recalled it being, but but Vegas is first.
0: Uh, before Vegas, though, Michael comes back and he finds Kay, and she's a teacher. She's living a normal life. I'm Team Kay, but I- Michael, leave Kay alone. That's what
1: I'm saying. That's what I've been saying. That's what I mean. He's not right for her anymore, and then are wrong for each other. She's like, "How long you been back?" It's like, "I don't know, like two
0: years." She's, she's like, like, "Jesus, oh, yeah, dude, maybe more." And she's like, shocked because she's she's working, she's teaching, and he's like, "Oh, come come with me, marry me," you know? It's like, whoa. and he just shows up
1: there like in the middle of the day, looking like the Grim Reaper, you know? Like he looks like a ghoul, like he looks like Al Pacino from The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> <laughs> he does, he does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my! you know, God. and he
1: and he sort of starts to like have that hunch a bit in this movie. the character it carries over more into the next movie, I think, where it's really maybe he's actually been working out uh Pacino because like in the sec- in the next movie, I'm gonna comment on sort of how wide he appears, and I wonder if that's to put on some weight to to mimic the old Don or if he's trying to do something physically or whatnot, but um, he doesn't look a thing like he did at the beginning of this movie, which is awesome.
0: It's such a transformation. I didn't expect it the first time I watched it. And and this is like, Michael is all in at this point. He's like, you know, the Colleon family is going to be legit in five years. You know, my father's like any man in power. And she's like, senators and presidents don't have men killed. And he's like, who's being naive, Kay? You're the naive one. And, like, it's okay. This is where you run. This is where you realize he's gone to the dark, But she still loves him. Mike, she still loves him. but But, like, he loves her, too. But he
1: sometimes if you love someone, you know, if you really love someone, you want what's best for them. And you know well enough that you're not that. Okay? And, like, you can still love someone and let them go so that they go on and have a very stable, non-toxic life, um, right, and, and can go prosper. Instead, he knows that he should not be here right now, and he can't help himself because that's what he does. He's, he's needy. He needs people, and he needs to control people, and he needs to control K. and he's too scared to meet someone new because, you know, He's emotionally stunted now. Like, what's he gonna do? Meet, go to a bar, and try and pick up a woman? Honestly, like it's Kay or
0: nothing. I'm sure he could be set up with somebody. I'm sure enough people know someone, but it's not the same as well. Even though Apollonia was his last piece of innocence, there's still a part of him that he's searching for that was pre-dawn. That I believe he thinks yeah. he can get back with Kay but even in this movie, he reveals that that's not the case.
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly what she represents—is his life before he pulled the trigger. But that's all, like you know what I mean? Like he's not sort of—it doesn't dawn on him that after all this time, like you can't turn the clock back like that. Especially after you know he comes, he sees his father's condition, and his dad pretty much says, "Like you're gonna take over, and here's what's gonna happen." And you know, like da 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 da, and it's like I've had this all like kind of planned out that there's this predestiny kind of thing going on here and uh you're gonna take the reins and it involves you know compromise okay and he's not really willing to compromise he wants to try and be as much as he was before than he is now and it's just you can't do that you know I just feel like he reached a point of no return and that's what's so great about him is this or the character is the is that internal struggle the constant like he's going to constantly be dealing with this throughout all the movies and I think that's that's very compelling you know
0: this final chapter is just like if you think about where we started and where we are now like Michael essentially as the Don and his father you know, as this consigliere, sort of. We have this little like scene that's very interesting. Like, Clemenza's begging that him and Tessio should start their own family. Things are getting a little bit crazy. He fa- yeah. he, he discusses like how the Colion family is going to move to Nevada, which is very interesting. And then he demotes Tom and promotes Carlo to consigliere. And you're like, what? You know? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you grew up in Nevada. I'm like, wait. How did Carla grow up in Nevada? That's like so random, but still. <laughs> and, and and Tom, he's so innocent, and he's so like innocent's a bad word, but he's so like, hey, maybe I can help. Why am I out, Mike? And we learn really that it's that they love Tom, and it's to keep Tom out of what they're about to do. But yeah. Tom is like, the highest Tom can get is consigliere, and he's been demoted from that, and he. He's not angry but he's more just like sad and disappointed. And imagine he goes back to home to his wife and he's like I don't know what happened, you know? It, it's like a little heartbreaking to me.
1: Yeah, but he's not completely out of the picture the way Carlos about to be. So like part of it part of it felt like part of the plan which was to sort of kill two birds, no you know, bat maybe that's a poor way of saying it. But to <laughs> kill two birds Kill two birds with one stone, right, is to like this this sort of thing on Carlo that we're running, this kind of um, con where we're like, we're going to tell him he's got a new job and then we're going to turn around and kill him. But we needed to make it look authentic. So at the same time, we're going to sort of like break the news to Tom that he's no longer consigliere. It's fucked up. Like it's something like a sociopath will do. Um, <laughs> but like. I'm just trying to understand the actions of the sequence and everything like that, you know, cuz it is kind of weird that like you don't take Tom aside and tell him I've got a new position for you and then you take Carlo aside and you tell him like you're going to do this or that or or like go pick up some laundry and just kill him doing that. It is a little weird that they get his hopes up so high in front of everybody.
0: And Mike we get to go to Vegas now and I'm so excited to go to Vegas. And you said it, it's not for that long, but I remember it so well. And even though I've been enjoying drinking this Zinfandel from Coppola, it's very, very good, by the way. It's one of my favorites. I got to rank <laughs> things at some point. But I think I'm ready for my after dinner drink, which I'm to drink a little Frangelico today. A little Italian after dinner drink. Open the Frangelico. Have you had Frangelico? Uh, No, I
1: don't believe so. But I recognize the bottle.
0: You see it in every bar. It's a hazelnut after dinner liqueur. The Italians, I'll give it to them. They have the best after dinner drinks. So salute, you know. (laughs) Salute. Limoncello, Sambuca, Mm. Amaretto, Frangelico. They're the kings of it.
1: Goldschlager, Jägermeister. (laughs) No,
0: that's (laughs) not German podcast. I'm Uh, joking. all right, so I'm gonna take this hat off. We're at of Sicily. It's hurting my head. I'll take this vest off. It was pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> I'm not a vest guy. Who is a vest? What is a vest guy? I don't
1: oh. know. Like Dave Navarro's a vest guy. That's like it. <laughs>
0: I'll wear an LL Bean vest when I'm hiking or something, or Eddie Bauer or something like that. But that aside, um, Las Vegas, we meet one of my top. Ten, maybe top five characters in the Godfather series. Mo Green, I oh, love Mo Green. And by the way, so if Michael was transformed by Sicily, how about Fredo's transformation in oh Las my Vegas? God. He's like, yeah, he's like wearing like like. Leisure suits and he's got sunglasses. Yeah, dude, he
1: is leisure suit Larry. Dude, he's banging showgirls <laughs> two at a time. Like something ha- he got his confidence. Hey, look at me. I've grown a spine here. A little bit of one, anyway. Not a not a total one, but
0: yeah. It's so weird. It's so interesting. Vegas, Fredo. I kind of want to see that story.
1: We see Johnny Fontaine, Johnny Fontaine's in the room and he is very uncomfortable. He's like, hey, Mike, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. But, uh, But he gets that favor called in for being in the movie, From Here to Eternity. Uh, he, he is asked to, uh, basically he gets the Elvis gig where it's like, we're building a casino. I want you to play the showroom. It's, with it's like a an Sinatra gig. Contract. That's what it okay, is. Okay. The Sinatra gig too. Yeah. Sinatra at the it's Sands. Like we're signing you to a lifetime deal, like it or not kind of situation. It feels like Johnny Fontaine seems to be like a little scared of michael you know where he's like when i last saw you at your sister's wedding you know you seem like a pretty happy-go-lucky guy just got back from the war and now uh kind of scared shitless of you
0: (laughs) well he knows he got a huge rate from the don and he has to repay it everyone knows that but that too and and then fredo though the fact that he's throwing this party for mike and there's like hookers and all that oh man it's it's so pathetic because Michael's his younger brother and yet he feels like he needs to impress him with what Vegas has meant to him. He feels he needs their own big show and Michael just like Get get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. are and then he's he's yeah. so he's so to the point he's like when Mo Green comes in and he's just like, Hey, you know, give free chips for everybody and he's like, Can I yeah. can I buy you out? And he's like, What? <laughs>
1: the, buy me out? I buy you out, pal. And he's like, hey, go about my offer. We'll talk. I'll see you, I'll see you soon. Maybe not because I'm going to shoot you in the fucking eye, Mo Green. (laughs) But like, Michael is just disappointed all around because he sent Fredo out there to learn the business and he comes out there and he finds out that he didn't learn any business, that he's been fucking around the whole time. And not, not only that, he's under the thumb of Mo Green. And he hears this rumor that he had to put Fredo in line one night. And Mo Green does not deny or dispute this rumor either. He tells him exactly what happened where, he caught, he caught Fredo with a showgirl and had to hit him and, like, slapped him around a little. And Michael finds out and he says, you, you set my brother straight. You hit my, like, yeah, fucking. That's all he had to say. Like, there's no deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to kill this guy.
0: He had caught wind of this. He had heard this. And when he comes to Vegas, he's ready to be like, I'm not going to be friends with Mo Green. He knows he wants to move to Vegas, but it's not a negotiation at that point. It's a hostile takeover. Right, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And, and he's basically like, you know, you slap my brother and He expects Fredo to obviously side with the family Fredo's like, no! Sure, Mo Mo flies off the hinge once in a while, but yeah, yeah, he doesn't mean nothing. And I think it's so telling that Mo Green's not like, yeah, we're friends. He's like, he was banging cocktail waitresses at the same time. Players couldn't get drinks. And he's like, oh, so many... How long has it? seen? Five minutes? And there's so many great Mo Green lines. He's like, I run a business. Sometimes you got to kick asses to make it run right. Like, it's just like, oh, my God. You know my favorite Mo Green line, though. Tell me, because I have
1: a, I have a favorite line from this sequence, but it's a Fredo line.
0: I'm Mo Green. I made my bones while you were dating cheerleaders. And it's just like, fuck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I like when Fredo goes,
1: Mike, you can't come to Las Vegas and talk to a man like Mo Green like that. And then he goes, Fredo, never side with anyone outside of the family ever again. And basically, he doesn't say it, but what he's going to, what the next line is, or I'm going to kill you.
0: Which we learn. So many payoffs in this series, because we get that in Godfather 2. Spoiler alert, Fredo does that again. Yeah, this is is just foreshadowing. Yeah. And and there's just so many things, because later we see that Don made a promise not to Enact revenge, and once the Don dies, Michael enacts revenge. So, there's so many like, listen to every word in this screenplay because nothing's a throwaway,
1: yeah. Because even, even uh, with Johnny Fontaine, he might have felt like he was off the hook because the Don was sick and dying, maybe he didn't have to turn in that favor. But then Mikey shows up and he's like, I'm calling in all the Don's favors, (laughs) you know, he's on his deathbed, like before he dies, I'm basically like making sure that uh. We get everything
0: done. And one more thing in Vegas, as a glasses wearer, you don't see too yeah. many cool ass characters wearing glasses like Mo Green does. So, oh yeah, Team Mo Green. Yeah. Also,
1: as someone who is who is the ocular impaired, is that a is that a phrase? Um, but yeah, uh, I'm always on the lookout for cool glasses, and it uh, those are definitely one for the
0: one for the books. So. That Vegas thing is quick but let's get to basically our big ending here the dawn okay. passes away in mm. uh, another one of these like Coppola Gordon Willis like art sequences there could be a short oh, yeah. short film in this like he's playing with his grandson in the garden the t- the tomato patch there's like that, that sort of pump watering can right he's running around he's like hey, don't do that hey, come over here you know <laughs>
1: And then he, take, he 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 pretends to be Dracula. He puts the fangs in. Hashtag right? or... monsters
0: that made us. <laughs> and
1: he's like... They're playing <laughs> games. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful because, you know, you have the oldest character in the family and the youngest character in the family at the moment um, because I don't think Connie's daughter or child is born yet. I think it's a boy, right? Connie's son, um, played by Domino as a baby
0: oh yeah Sophia.
1: but i just love what this this image is in because it, again it's more of that sort of like you know pure cinema kind of stuff like i mean i wish there was a better word for it to come to mind tonight but like everyone can understand exactly what's it's universal it's universal what's happening right now you know and um tragic and all of that so like yeah it, it's a wonderful little scene that is sort of a short film unto itself
0: the death of the Don again so poetic and he's just like oh, oranges, you know, he's like, just like, oh, oh. Yeah. like it's like it's it's so oranges again. <laughs> it's visual but like audio audio, is that a I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's poetic and beautiful and it's like the Don was all that family and it makes sense that he would die amongst the young youngest person in the family there, right? Yeah, this sets off a chain of events like Michael it's funny because in The Godfather 2 he waits for his mother to die to like enact real revenge and this film he waits for his father to die to really be like alright let's put the whole plan in motion and let's do this I love love when Kay says Connie's gonna ask you to be the godfather to her child he's like Essentially, like, we'll see. Let me think about it, right? Like, if anyone Mm -hmm. today asks you to be the godfather of their kid, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I'm a godfather. (laughs) Me, of all people. The point is, it's a high honor, and he considers it, and he accepts it, despite the fact that he knows what he's going to do here. And it's like, Mm -hmm. all the family's debts are going to be repaid. When we see the Don's funeral, and Tessio comes up to him, and it's right away, he knows because his father told him, essentially, the one who comes up to you here, not the funeral, but the one who makes the deal, is the one who's betraying you. And it's like so obvious. It's like, fuck. It's Tessio, this loyal soldier. When you, when you uh, see the second film, you realize how like far they go back. And it's like, fuck, you know, Abe Vagoda here. And then Michael puts the whole plan in motion because he knows he's about to be killed if he goes along with this plan. And he's not a moron though, not anymore, <laughs> true. Well, this is what
1: he knows this is this is war, so like he's been to war like and he knows how to probably like execute a battle tactical, you know precision, like all that kind of stuff. I feel like is' his sort of wheelhouse, and so I don't know if it's if we're supposed to think that we're he's using that um ceremony as sort of his cover. This alibi while all this other stuff is going on uh, but it's pretty clear who's sending the message when like just about everybody at that meeting is now wiped out like in broad daylight one way or the other
0: this is one of the greatest sequences in film history just the Michael at the church just being mm-hmm. you know like do, do you reject Satan and all the things and like it, mm-hmm. it, the church is like a holy place and you're supposed to be a good person and Al niri is killing people. Yep. Uh, Chi-Chi is killing people. <laughs> Clemenza is Clemenza. killing people. <laughs> Every head of the five families is dead. Anyone who's ever pissed off Michael is essentially dead. He settles the business for the entire family in one day. And I don't know what to say about the sequence, except that, like, for whatever reason, if you've listened to this far into all three episodes and you haven't seen it, Ridiculous, but watch it again. Like, watch it on YouTube. Sometimes I just watch this scene for fun. This is what filmmaking is all about, right? Like, the music, yeah, yeah, everything that's going on here.
1: This reminds me in film school of like Eisenstein, like pure montage, like Battleship Potemkin type shit, where it's just like sound and sight just clashing and the uh juxtaposition of compositions and, and images and stuff. So, we're cutting from. Basically, you know, like the church and the sanctity of all that and all that's holy. And then you're cutting to some guy getting his head blown off, you know, (laughs) like and back and forth and back and forth. And it creates this effect of this sort of symmetry where it's like, oh, these two things go together, you know church and violence, like religion and execution, like all this stuff is all ingrained in each other. And it's all one part of the same whole thing here. And I don't know if that was like another one of Coppola's statements or that's just something that comes through because it's a film and it's art and everything. But, you know, you watch this movie enough times and it's more than just cool. Like there's a reason it's cool and there's a reason it works. And there's, you know, a reason behind all of this. Um, It's all very, precisely planned to be this way and it's the talent behind the scenes that pulls it off because people try and do this stuff every day uh, and it's just so few and far between that when it works it becomes iconic you know for for like a montage it's this for like a cam shot it's like goodfellas walking into the copacabana you know it's like it's just so great
0: you're so right mike this is like what you study Theoretically, I didn't go to film school, yeah. but theoretically, in film school, right? Like, what is a montage? It's this. It's like this splicing between this religious holy moment and the darkest thing you can do as a human being is, which is killing another human being.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, uh, like the the sin, you know, versus the soul.
0: He's literally telling a priest that he rejects evil. While being evil at the same exact time.
1: The hypocrisy, right? It's like, you could say that right there is the thesis.
0: 100%. Yeah. (laughs) And then if it has the thesis, the final paragraph, the punctuation, is like him talking to Carlo at the end of the, Carlo, actually, you're not going to go to Vegas. We'll go to the house. We got some business to do. He doesn't even like say, hey, what's going on? He walks in and he's like, you got to answer for Sonny, Carlo. Tell me who's been setting this up. And then he emits his Barzini. He's like, okay, go fuck yourself. Dead. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> it, was, it was all a setup. It was all a setup.
1: Again, like Coppola did to us and Sicily, like it's Michael's move is to sort of take an enemy or someone that you're going to get rid of and like make them feel like they are needed and necessary. And then when they least expect you pull the rug out from under them so that it's extra bad when it dawns on them like, oh, shit. Because it's also like with Tessio, right? He kind of does the same move with Tessio where he's like, uh-huh. oh, uh, Tessio, uh, I'm not going with you to the to the meeting. Like we need a little change of plans. He's like, that's not right. This is going to screw everything up. And he's like, yeah. Tom's like, by the way, I'm not coming either. It's just, you know, and he's like, you think you could uh, talk to Mike one more time? He's like, yeah, I, I really don't think. That my, you know, like I can't do nothing for you, <laughs> and it's just like dawns on them at the last moment, like, damn, man, why did I even? He's like, they always knew they knew the whole time, and they were just waiting. They're like the Gestapo, right? Like, they're always listening and they're game, and they're just adding to their little book. And then when the iron is right, they strike when it's hot enough, they're just like, get them.
0: And like that scene with Tessio is another scene in this film that breaks my heart because. If you really watch the movie from Tom's perspective, I feel like, again, maybe if we're doing this podcast in, like, five years and we're done with movies, maybe we just watch these movies from a character perspective. Because if you watch from Tom's perspective, every scene with Tom and Tessia where Tom gets a line, he's like, Sally! Like, you could tell, like, he, he grew up with this guy like an uncle and he really loves him and Michael's like, you gotta kill him. And Tom knows it's the right thing to do because he's betraying them, but that whole thing, like, Tom, would you let me off the hook for old time's sake? He's like, can't do that, Sally. You know?
1: You know what he tells them? It's just business. Everyone it's not
0: personal. Everyone gets it there, but it's still like, fuck, man. Fuck, you know?
1: I feel like it's the hardest one. It's the one we don't see. I think it's the only murder we don't see, mm-hmm. right? He just drives away, or he gets in the car and it cuts. So For like, a reason. Yeah, yeah, because... None of them wanna do it.
0: Oh, that, that one is so so sad Because We
1: 'cause we don't care that Carlo's gonna die. But that's a great that's a great shot where he's in the front of the car and he and they get they strangle him from behind and he starts kicking through the windshield. That's a crazy and the car just like they start driving, like why are they even driving? Like does it <laughs> that's a good point. The guy from behind if the car is moving? Like, that's, a, that's a really good point. <laughs> so just like driving down the driveway really but whatever
0: who knows
1: they do a lot of killing in cars in this movie they did the the one in the beginning or the the you know leave the gun take the cannolis technically i guess Sonny was out of his car at the at that place but uh oh and i guess also the don he was running to his car but there's an exploded car in the driveway of the compound at one point where someone died apollonia dies in a car you know this guy gets strangled in a car they drive tessio off in a car like it's there's got uh, there's got to be something written about that as much as there is about oranges right
0: is this a car movie should it be covered on too fast (laughs) forever
1: is the car just a coffin on wheels in the godfather
0: (laughs) oh man that's a really good point with the car thing like the car motif is pretty insane in the Godfather World. I don't know if that repeats in the other Godfather films, but in The Godfather World, like Car's dangerous thing. Let's talk though about the final sequence, the final scene of this movie that really punctuates this as a classic, right? It's Oh yeah. Connie running in essentially saying, like, You killed my husband. What the hell did you do? That's his sister. He's not denying, it, like, Oh my god, Connie didn't do it. He's more like just like stoic, like almost like a tense Of like, get out of my business. I'm going to deny it, but you know what really happened because you know he's an asshole kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you have Kay, who's from the outside world, and she's like, Michael, like, essentially, did you do it? What's going on? And don't ask me about my business. I'm going to let you ask this one time. So she's like, did you kill Carlo? And he's like, I did not. And she takes it, and she believes it, and she walks out of that room. She's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but then she knows the truth, because Clemens is there, Neri's there, and they're just like, Don Colion, Don Colion. They kiss the ring. They kiss the ring. The door is closed in one of the most beautiful shots ever, and Cage just looking like, fuck.
1: The door closes on Kay, and, and it ends on her realizing that he just lied to her. Like- and she's trapped
0: even if even if he didn't lie which he did but even if he didn't lie she knows he's become the thing he said he would never become his father and his family and she's in this mess and we'll get more of it in the second film which is epic and that's again why i love the second film that's why probably it's my favorite film of all time but holy shit that moment and it Ends up going back to Kay, and Kay is one of those, like, audience surrogate characters. You yeah. and I, as far as I know, you and I are not in the mafia, and we're like, oh my god, I am in too deep. With the music, with the score, the doors closing, you <laughs> like, holy fuck, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. And, like, he even says to her at
1: the wedding in the beginning, like, that's my family, Kay, that's not me, you know, like, I'm not that, but not anymore. Now he is, that's all you get. And she's, she's part of it. Like, you know, there's this feeling where it must be like, even though she hasn't done anything wrong, like she's encouraging this by married, by being married to, her. you know, like, it's just, Oh, we'll get into a lot of that in the next movie and in the third movie as well. But like, it's just so chilling because he's fully formed now, Michael, that is, as, like, this monster, right? Like, he lies with a straight face as much as, like, lying to him is nothing. Like, he's a sociopath now. Like, you know, before where he would never tell a lie, now he can hardly tell the truth. And it's just such such a complete sort of change for a character. Like, you really, man, it's... It's so rare to see a character change this much, this gradually, and this believable in films these days. And, like, it's just such a great final scene and such a great exclamation mark for this movie. I just love it.
0: It's so good. What an ending. What a film. That's why it took us three episodes. At one point, (laughs) I was thinking it might take us four because we're talking so much. But that's why it took us three episodes to get through because it's just... Like, if you want to teach a class on, like, what a movie should be, this is it. Really, this is it. Like, this is the film. Like, everything's paid off. Even though we can get more stories from this, we're like, look at where Michael was. Look at where he is. Mike, you studied film in school. How many times have you heard or, or people have said to you or even yourself thought, like, there's a measure of a film from where a character starts and where a character ends? right think oh, about yeah. think about where michael starts and where michael ends you're like we made that journey how did that happen it's like epic it is
1: that is the exact word that people use for that which is epic uh <laughs> you know i mean he changed in the amount and like i know just because it's modern and it's easy to follow like use it this reference a lot but like he changes more in one movie than Luke Skywalker does in three. If you think about it, you know, like it takes some characters, an entire franchise to change as much as him. Like, I don't think Ethan Hunt has changed since day (laughs) one and he's already in like seven movies um, with mission impossible. So like, yeah, it's, it's super impressive, you know, and it all starts from that source material, but they really, you know, did an amazing job of, translating this material to fit the screen in a certain way that makes a good movie, like makes a, like, there's, it's just like, I don't know what it is. It's just like comes down to like that magic touch or something like that. Like, you know, everything, the stars aligned, like, or we saw, <laughs> we saw in the offer, it wasn't as easy as it might've seemed or anything. Like maybe they had to force some stars to align the way they wanted them to. But like, at the end of the day, like they pulled it off and it's just, kind of a miracle when you think about like any movie getting made that one got made to be this good and at every turn uh it kind of had like no right to be you know like we again we saw the offer like it just had everything stacked against it and it still manages to be a masterpiece and like i don't know it just i feel funny saying that sometimes because it seems so highbrow and like you know it's not like this is hanging on a wall in a museum anywhere but like they might as well be playing 24 hours at, like, the Guggenheim or something, you know? Just put it on a TV, at, at a, on a wall, somewhere in a museum in New York City, like, because it deserves to be there.
0: This is... I'm going to double down on what you're saying. This is the Mona Lisa films. This is the Sistine Chapel of films. This is something nice. that really, really, really should be considered one of the highest pieces of human art ever made it sounds crazy to say <laughs> but fight me on that tell me how it's not no tell me how it's not
1: it's the Colossus of Rhodes you know it's the Great Pyramids of Giza like it is the Godfather you know it is to film for art what art is to the rest of the world you know in any way, shape, or form. In the
0: Renaissance, you, you painted things, you sculpted things to show your artistic merit. In our era, you make a film, you make a TV show, whatever, but everything's measured against the Godfather. This is it. This is it. I'm sorry. It is. I'm with you. I love Godfather 2, but Godfather 2 doesn't exist without the original Godfather, right? This is a peak in humanity. <laughs> it sounds weird to say, <laughs> but like artistically, if you look at the entire history of what we have accomplished as a species, this is so mind-boggling to consider, but <laughs> this is up there. This is up there. Uh-huh. It's so good. Like You're a hipster in a negative way. I'm not against hipsters, but you're like a hipster if you say, like this isn't a great movie. You're like, oh, is this? Come on. Come on. Watch uh-huh. this movie and tell me it's not a great movie
1: you're you're a contrarian asshole if you say something yes, like that. Yes, that's a that's a, <laughs> that's a better word for it because I love my hipsters. I love my hipsters. Um no, I mean, yeah, Brian, this is like the moon landing of films, absolutely to me, you know. It, it it's it's climbing Mount Everest, like that's what they did and they do it again, you know, which is even crazy. That's why he's that's why we're, you know, diving deep into Coppola because this isn't the only movie he makes that is against the odds, so to speak, like he makes another impossible movie down the line with Apocalypse Now. Um, And I can't wait to get to that and the making of that and everything that goes along with that. But, you know, here's a man who, after he made The Godfather, was like, I'm not done. Could you imagine (laughs) being like, watching this and being like, not only did I make this, but I'm going to go on and I'm going to do more greatness after this. Like, it's just going to be amazing moving forward with the rest of this show.
0: That's why Coppola in film history, he's he's not some random person. He's not like a whatever, right? Like Coppola is Da Vinci. Not at all. No, Coppola is Da Vinci. Coppola is Michelangelo. Coppola is, if film is an art, and obviously we believe it is. We have podcasts about it. If film is an art, <laughs> and they're made a Ninja Turtles about filmmakers instead of like Renaissance painters. <laughs> One of them is called Coppola because that's how important yeah. he is to the genre. That's how important he is to just human art as itself. He's made three movies, as far as I'm concerned, that should be in everyone's top ten, at least top twenty-five.
1: It's just that's a good way of putting it. It's like comparing him to like a Rembrandt or something like that, you know, um, that's very apt. And yeah, I think he I think the the issue with our society i think is that everything moves too fast and so like here's a man who hasn't made a movie in a long time and just because he made the godfather to some people that's not enough it's like give me a fucking break like go you know jump off a bridge into a lake or something because you know i want you to survive but i want you to be scared and uh like a terrifying experience because of what you said uh take that back but like it's that kind of thing you know it's like doesn't matter if you never heard of him he's still a master you know there's kids out there who only know Raphael from being a ninja turtle (laughs) (laughs) you're right so it doesn't matter it takes nothing away from original Raphael or any of the other dudes um from back in the day you know uh their legacy is still with us whether they know it or not and i think like you know long after he's gone and far after we're gone like they will be talking about this man one way or the other.
0: At least they should if we haven't killed the planet because of how we're treating it.
1: Well, well, Brian, I've got good news for you on that front. Everything that we ever broadcast has been beamed into space, so some distant alien civilization might be watching The Godfather for the first time right now.
0: I hope they do, and I hope they listen to this podcast so that they could see how much reverence humanity... Has for the film, at least me and you. Excellent, excellent. That's why it took us three episodes to cover it because it is so good. <laughs> and also, I feel like we rushed through it. But I feel safe because we're going to cover it again in these like extended cuts and whatever right. it is, and we'll talk about it. We'll have side episodes about it. But this was an absolute pleasure, Mike. It's good to talk actual good movies because, like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, we love other movies that we've talked about on our shows, which I've already mentioned. On, on our other projects. But they're good for different reasons. We might enjoy them, but this is a true Rembrandt, as he said. This is a true thing that should belong in a museum. Like, The Godfather is everything, and we salute that today.
1: Yeah, I I realize that there's, like, an objective and subjective quality to, you know, like, some of the movies we watch for our other shows, they are not Good movies, but we love them. We love them for what they are, and some of them actually are great movies, like the Howling Three, uh, Marsupials. But <laughs> this is, you know, you put this up to like, you know, we say like you can study like people study this like this is this is a good movie for a reason because it's well made. Like everything about it is done right. Like it also, you know, kind of broke mold and new ground in what it did. Um, so. Yeah, like it's even, you know, a forerunner in that sense or like ahead of its time or what have you. And it's like it revived an entire genre of gangster mob movies, you know, like they're still making this kind of shit today and things are still being compared to The Godfather. And, you know, um, so, yeah, just it's made its mark, an indelible mark that, um, you know, will never be erased. So. I can't wait to talk more about it and you're right it's funny. as much as we talked about it I feel like we've missed so much so uh you know here's to the day where we get back around to uh the family of the Corleones
0: 100% Mike well this was an absolute pleasure talking this film with you we're going to cover some more Coppola stuff the next couple of films it's not a godfather film so stay tuned for that the next sorry the next couple film that we'll cover is not a Godfather film, but it is a fun one. I can't wait for that. So definitely follow this podcast wherever you can. Support us. Tell a friend. I eventually want to do a Patreon here. Not for our benefit, but for the Coppola benefit because the wine costs money. We haven't been sponsored yet. So (laughs) stay tuned for that. But thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter at OhMyRodriguez. You can also... Check out High School Slumber Party and the other shows you do in the Cage Club Podcast Network. Mike, what do you want to promote or say before we get out of here? Oh, my gosh.
1: I got a bunch of shows. They're all on cageclub.me. You can check them out. I got shows with Brian. I got shows with Joey. I got shows with Dan Colon, The Monsters That Made Us, the last Friday of every month, where we look at the Universal Monster movies going all the way back to the 30s, the original ones. Lots of shows. High School Slumber Party with Brian, Viva Pod Vegas with Joey. Check them all out. New episodes come out on the reg, so be there or be square. God, did I just say be there or be? I just, I just leaked my age, didn't I?
0: Peggy Sue <laughs> got married long ago. That's that's how old you feel right now. Um, <laughs> 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 All right, Mike. We end the show the same way every time. Do you remember? It is from the song we talked about. Oh, uh, I believe it's
1: Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli.
2: This is the end.